everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Katie's Christmas Movie Countdown. I'm here with Otis, hey. Alexis, hey. and Austin. Hey. And to finish it out, we watched Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. This movie came out on November 20th, in 1992, just two years after the original Home Alone came out. And it was actually set to be exactly one year after the events in Home Alone 1 took place. So a year after Kevin gets left... He gets lost in New York. Basically, his family is planning a big vacation again, and they're all ready. Kevin's on the truck, or on the little vans to take them to the airport. He's ready to go. Everyone's ready. They get to the airport. Kevin is fumbling through his dad's bag, looking for batteries for his talk boy, and runs all the way through the airport following his parents so they don't miss their flight to Florida, and is just dicking around in this backpack. Eventually, he just stops in the middle of the airport, rummaging through this sack, trying to find these batteries, finally gets them in his talk boy, and then starts following another guy wearing a very similar trench coat to his dad's, and ends up on a plane to New York rather than a plane to Florida with the rest of his family. His family ends up in Florida. His mom and dad freak out. Everyone's freaking out. No one can figure out where Kevin is. Meanwhile, Kevin is in New York having the fucking time of his life. He ended up with all the money in his dad's bag, plus his dad's credit cards, so he books a hotel room at the Plaza Hotel using his talk boy and runs up a giant bill and then just has an amazing time in New York. He ends up in a toy store and eventually runs into what used to be the Wet Bandits, now are the Sticky Bandits, and... <laughs> Chaos ensues, and the end of this movie ends just like the first one, where they end up in a house, and Kevin just wrecks these two fucking robbers, and then they get arrested. So that's the whole movie, basically. Second verse, same as the first. <laughs> yes, second verse, same as the first. Very similar to the first movie. Just as good, though. But just as good, yeah. So here's a bunch of random facts. The original working title of this film was called Alone Again. All of the children who appeared in the toy store scene were allowed to take their favorite toy home as part of their salary. And even though it didn't work, Macaulay Culkin was allowed to keep the talk boy that he used in the film. This movie was actually shot at the Plaza Hotel in a Central Park suite. The phone number on the commercial was actually a number for the hotel. Daniel Stern said that a pigeon actually flew into his mouth at the end scene where he was covered <laughs> in birdseed really and said it was fucking disgusting. The film Kevin watches in this film is called Angels with Even Filthier Souls and was, an, again, a made-up movie as a sequel to the movie from the first one, uh, Angels with Dirty Souls. The swimming pool scene in this film was shot at the Four Seasons in Chicago, Illinois, because the Plaza Hotel does not have a swimming pool. Catherine O'Hara was worried her character wasn't trying hard enough to find Kevin, so scenes were added into the film to show her concern, and she practiced her guilty sad face at home to make sure that it was convincing. A real version of the talk boy was created by Tiger Electronics shortly after the film's release, as well as a pink and purple version called the talk girl, which is incredibly sexist and horrible, and I'm glad I had this silver one. The carpet was removed from the Plaza Hotel lobby for one scene so that Macaulay Culkin could slip and slide on the floor through Tim Curry and Rob Schneider and all of that. Plaza owner at the time, Donald Trump, liked it so much, he never had it refitted. Also, seeing him in a movie is gross now. 
Michael Jackson visited Macaulay Culkin on set because they were like BFFs at the time. Christ. <laughs> Production spent a lot of money on artificial snow for all the scenes in Central Park. And then New York City had a blizzard and several cameras froze during filming. So they spent <laughs> hella money on fake snow and then it snowed for real. Um, during production, John Hughes wrote script drafts for Home Alone 3, where Macaulay Culkin would return as a teenage Kevin. When he found out that Macaulay Culkin had quit acting in 1994, he rewrote the story from scratch and made that horrific Max Keebler's Big Adventure version of Home Alone 3 that was absolute garbage. The Plaza Hotel used to offer the Home Alone experience around Christmas where guests could pay to stay in a room similar to the room Kevin stayed in, receive Home Alone gifts including the movies, and take a limo to see some of the filming locations including the toy store upon which Duncan's toy chest was based, which is fucking awesome and if I had like a million dollars in the late 90s, I for sure would have done that. I would have begged and pleaded with my parents like, please take me, that's all I want. The concert hall, where Kevin is watching the orchestra concert, is supposed to be Carnegie Hall, but it is really um, an orchestra hall in downtown Chicago. Pepsi products were used in Home Alone 1 all over the place, like Fuller's drinking a Pepsi thing, and it it pops up again later in the first film. In this film, all the sodas are Coca-Cola instead, so the product placement switched it. In the scene where Kevin visits various New York City landmarks, the part where he visits the World Trade Center was removed from TV broadcasts after 2001 out of respect for the victims of 9-11. As of Christmas 2018, it has been restored. And we were talking about this while we were watching it. When they kept showing the World Trade Center, it was, like, hard for us to watch. And we kept just, I don't know, it was it's really heartbreaking watching it now. Mm-hmm. And especially the scene where he got up on the observation deck of the Twin oh, Towers. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot, like... That was rough. Put them in a scale how big they were. Yeah. Yeah. So Brenda Flicker, who plays the pigeon lady, joked that kids that she meets are never impressed by her acting career until she mentions that she was the pigeon lady in Home Alone 2. Um, Ali Sheedy has a cameo as one of the ticket agents at the New York City airport. This was the first movie shot in Radio City Music Hall in about 30 years. Daniel Stern's 1995 comedy Bushwhacked was originally conceived as a spin-off of Home Alone with Stern returning as Marv. And that movie's hilarious too. If you like dumb comedy, you should definitely check out Bushwhacked. The Villa de Delphine Motel was actually located in Long Beach, California, not Florida. So where <laughs> his family ends up is actually a hotel in Flo- in California. All but one of the cast of the McAllister Kids returned for this sequel. The actress who played the cousin Linny changed. Is the blonde girl? I'm not sure which one. I didn't look up each individual actress, but one of the actresses gave up acting between the one and two films and went on to be an Olympic, like, jujitsu. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, medalist. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so she gave up acting and then she was replaced for the second film. Huh. Um, at the end of the film, Fuller wakes up in the hotel and tells everyone to wake up because it's Christmas. And his pants are wet from pee. I was going to look for it. I missed it. (laughs) Um, According to Daniel Stern, his first take for the scene where Marv gets electrocuted using the sink (laughs) made Chris Columbus laugh so hysterically hard he couldn't yell cut even after Stern had collapsed onto the floor and finished the scene. 
And <laughs> the renovated house scenes are not actually in New York City, but at the Hollywood backlot, Brownstone Street. So, how much do you guys think this film cost? Can we restate the last one? Was the, last one? Yeah. the last film cost 18. 18 million and did really, 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 really well. I feel like such a lot big still. It's gonna be boring. Mm, I'd say the, the location. The... Uh, I'm gonna go for like 65 million. Okay. I'm gonna go for like 30 million. Ah, oh, you took me into it. I'm gonna do 40 now. <laughs> okay, Alexis wins. It was twenty-eight million dollars. Okay, how much do you think it made domestically? First time was like three hundred million. The first one made four hundred. No, two hundred million domestically, I think, and four hundred and seventy something. I'm gonna go with four hundred. Four hundred million domestic. Okay. Probably a hundred. Hundred. Two thirty. 230. Okay, Austin wins this one. Domestic box office, 173.6 million. Worldwide box office, this movie made 365 million. So about 100 million less than the first movie, but still really, really good for a comedy movie. Macaulay Culkin was paid $4.5 million to be in this film, as opposed to the measly $110,000 that he got paid for Home Alone 1. Sorry, and a toy. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he got a talk boy that didn't work. <laughs> but I'm sure once the ones that actually worked, yeah. he probably had like 30 of those yeah. bad boys. He probably still has one that works. Yeah. All right, what is everyone's favorite character in the film? Um, in the first one, I, you know, I brought up Marv. Uh, in this one, I mean, the skeleton of the first movie is here. And so, you know, there's certain characters pop up. I didn't really connect that much with Pigeon Lady in this one, or the shovel dude. Uh, but I'm probably gonna go with just Marv. He's Marv again. Still my favorite. All right, Alexis. Yeah, Harry definitely was. Um, Continues to reign. Con- well, um, I had um. Oh, wait, Marv. I changed. I put Harry on here, but I meant Marv. Okay. Um, my in terms of like my villain, it changed because um, Joe Pesci's character didn't. Do as much for me, but um, just... He did a lot less physical stunts yeah, in this one than... it was just flipping hilarious. But I'm going to go with an honorable mention. And I thought about saying this in the first movie, but now I'm definitely going to say it in the second one. But Ralph Footy, the guy that plays Johnny in the movies... I'm sorry. Like, if you want to talk about anything that's, like, iconic from oh, oh, Home yeah. Alone, like, it's it's the fake movies that they make. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. the guy that plays Johnny is just a fantastic oh, actor. Oh, yeah. And Angels like, with Filthy Souls. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my, my favorite character now. Yeah. That's to, amazing. To, to I love Ralph Footy. That, that's great. That's yeah. Johnny in the movies. <laughs> all right, Austin? I'm going to have to go Marv, too. Just his, his acting and all the scenes he's getting hurt and just... Oh, it's funny. I think that was when we were all like laughing almost to tears. Was, oh yeah, was I was like scenes. crying laughing. Yeah, <laughs> at points. So my favorite character is a tie between the pigeon lady and Mister Duncan because I love mm-hmm. sweet old men. Yeah. <laughs> like sweet old men in movies are so cute. Like they remind me of my grandpa, and I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. And the pigeon annoying. lady, and the pigeon lady was like so sweet to Kevin, and she just took him in like. And gave him a place to be warm for a minute and, you know, had a deep conversation with him when he was just a freaked out kid on the street. Like, she calmed him down and she ended up being a really good friend and helped save the day later. Yeah. Least favorite character? Mm, it's tough. Uh, all the bad guys are believably good. Um, I want to you'd think I would say, like, Tim Curry or any of the, the people at the hotel, but no, they were great. Um... 
don't know. I'll go with Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank again? Yeah, he's he's crap. But <laughs> I can't even fault him. He, that's his job is to be crap, and mm-hmm. he does it good. But yeah, I'll go with him. Alexis? Well, it sucks because like, acting-wise, Catherine O'Hara isn't bad, but I am so tired of this mom. <laughs> yeah. She just like, I mean, I'm sorry, like your life choices led you to have all these kids. Like, you need to figure your crap out and make sure that your son doesn't get bullied all the time and you keep losing him. Stop it. Yeah. Well, it's like her kids, there's a really big age gap too. And it's weird that she doesn't defend him more mm-hmm. because of how big the age gap is. Like, the other three, no, wait, four of her kids are all like mm-hmm. teens. Like, near, like, driving age teens. And Kevin is 10. Like, that's a big gap. You don't let your fucking 16-year-old asshole of a son pick on your 10-year-old. Like, I don't know. That was fucked up on her part. I gave her benefit of the doubt first one. That's my last mistake, I guess. But come on. Seriously? Seriously. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to agree. Because, like, I want to say Buzz, but I can't even blame Buzz for being Buzz. Like, he grew up and his mom lets him get away with the stuff yeah. and doesn't get him in trouble, doesn't stop him or whatever. And he's learned, hey, if I'm creative about it and I act sorry and then I turn around and call Kevin a trout sniffer or whatever, <laughs> like, yeah. it works out for me. So, but that's the situation he learned in. So, yeah, I'll say the mom too. Yeah. My least favorite character is Tim Curry in this film. I love Tim Curry as a whole, as an actor. I think mm-hmm. he played this part really well, but his character was just, like, smarmy, and I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> just there, kind of. I don't know. All right. Uh, favorite scene. Do you have a favorite scene that wasn't the house part? Ooh, I wrote something down. That wasn't the injury house part, because we will get to us. Yes. A, we'll get to, Okay. So, I mean, we're going to get to the house part, because it's always, like, the best. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a whole separate movie. section of house But I really like the Toy Store scene. Like... With Mr. You know, you know, kind of going back to, you know, when I was talking about my, my favorite character, I wanted I wanted to do the Ralph Foody guy because I think he's just really good. But then my second one would have been Mr. Duncan because, you know, old grandpa man. I grew up with a grandpa, so, like, I think it's just really sweet. and But just the whole story in and of itself, like we were talking during the movie about it was FAO Schwartz, right? Mm-hmm. And how it would just been really cool as a kid to go in there and just... Toy Story doesn't look like that anymore. They're just big box commercial nonsense and that felt like it was a toy land that happened to be selling things yeah and so it was just really beautiful to see really heartwarming that was kind of one of my favorite scenes with the turtle doves at the end and just yeah goodwill like if you're talking about you know what christmas season is supposed to be if you're taking it from like a non-religious standpoint it's just like goodwill towards other people and yeah so the toy store no i agree the toy store is probably my favorite scene that wasn't the house (laughs) injury part all right, favorite injury. I know what Otis's is. <laughs> oh, I'm going. Okay. Even when I was a kid, it's it's always been the funniest fucking thing, and um, it's always moments where it's just something absurd happens, and then it just goes back to reality. Uh, that's why I like spoof movies a lot because they can just kind of bend reality to do mm-hmm. something really dumb, and then they go back, and people will acknowledge it, and they always look confused, what? and then they just don't think about it anymore. But when he's getting electrocuted and he's screaming, <laughs> and he just turns into a skeleton for a couple of seconds. <laughs> I don't, I don't know best. what it is about that. That is the best scene. Even as adults, 
We're all we all just sat here and fucking hysterically lost it. Yeah. yeah. He, his scream makes it even better. He's just a yeah. skeleton screaming, <laughs> shrieking. But with the hair still too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the skeleton, that that's that's the best thing in this movie. That was so good. Agreed. I mean, like I could pick something else for the sake of picking something else, but that was just hands down. Yeah. Whoever came up with that to add the little next piece onto it. Yeah, brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that obviously has to win, but the, the bricks in the paint, like, anything that happened to Mark, just because his reactions are so funny. Like, oh my just like, gosh, no, those bricks no. at the beginning. Harry <laughs> keeps dodging them, and so Mark just keeps getting smacked. When he's laying on the on the ground, on the cement, Harry, and, Harry, and, he, and the last, Kevin's up there with the last brick, and he, Harry's so fucked up, him. or Mark's so fucked up, he can't even, like, form sentences. He's just like... Injury in this film or scene in this film is when the giant toolbox falls down the stairs uh. and just fucks them up. But now, besides the electrocution scene, because that's the best, it's when uh, Marv gets staple gunned in mm. the gooch and then yeah. also in his dick and then in his face. <laughs> like, <laughs> like rapid succession, just in the front, in the back, and then in the face. <laughs> That's so funny and hurtful and hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'd hate to be him, but I liked laughing at it. This movie did seem more graphic with the, oh, yeah. with the violence. Yeah, it was a little bit more... In, well, I mean, kind of. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it depends. I mean, well, cause, the like, Harry stuff, the burn stuff in the first movie was pretty bad. The burn stuff was way worse in the first one, because yeah. Harry had the... Like, M burned into his hand, and then he had that, like, his whole fucking head burned. Okay, what about the music in this film? What'd you all think? Um, (laughs) I can't even really remember the music, honestly. Uh, It was enjoyable. It wasn't the worst movie that we've watched with Christmas music. I can't even... They use some of the same songs, you know, most of the same themes. Um, I think I'm reminded of when John Williams, I think one of my biggest gripes about, and it quickly dissipates because it's actually not that big of a gripe, but when you watch episode seven and you realize, or even episode eight, honestly, and you realize that there's not a whole lot new that he's doing, he's just like rehashing old themes. And so I feel like this one... John Williams was just like, well, it's the same movie, so I'm going to keep like the same themes, but I'm going to tweak them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe add a couple new things here and there, but overall it's the same kind of music, so it gives you the same kind of feeling. And here I am, you know, 20 minutes after the movie, and i am still got somewhere in my memory in my head. Well, yeah, because so- he uses somewhere in my memory in this film, not as the choir song that was as like it was in the first film, but as the background yes. song in throughout this film. Hmm. Whereas in the first one, well, in the first film, the background song is that, and in this one, instead of having that theme in it at all, they just switched it to somewhere in my memory because the somewhere in my memory is just forever someone longing to be home with their family. And that's what Kevin is doing this entire trip because he's just stuck in a city that he doesn't understand. So I think like it's the the music is really great because it's just John Williams but it's not anything that like sticks out 
like versus the first one. You've never heard any of those themes before, so I mean, theoretically, if you've never seen the movie, but yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it was similar stuff, I guess, or something. But whatever it was, you know, again, so first time, obviously, for me seeing this one also. Um, but partway through the movie, I found myself like doing the do 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 whatever, like with the music. I was like, oh, yeah. actually, like now I picked up, and I'm not just sitting here doing like. Harry Potter music in my head. Yeah. Da, 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 now da, it's da, stuck da, in like, his head. Now it's yeah. Home Alone music and not Harry Potter yeah, music. So it worked for me. And so I think this soundtrack is just as good as the first one. Um, they did, like I said, they switched the main theme over to Somewhere in My Memory to kind of give you that feeling like of always wanting to go back to Chicago. It's still a good mix of like his class, John Williams' classical soundtrack and traditional Christmas music. And again, like Alexa said in the last film, I do equate all of the, the music that's in this film as the version of that song. Like the version of, uh, hey baby, it's Christmas mm-hmm. all over. Like yeah. whenever I hear that song, I think of this film. That and, scene. and it has to be that version of that song. Like I don't like any of the other versions of that song. And it's like that throughout this whole film because I've watched this film so many times and it holds such a special place in my heart. I will say I love the song Christmas Star in this song, which is the mm-hmm. kids' choir song that gets sung while they're while he's looking up at the orphanage, and every time the orphanage gets to be part of the um, plot line, they play the song Christmas Star, and it's fucking beautiful. Like that is such a good song. <clears throat> like holy shit. In your fun facts, did you happen to confirm or find that whenever Kevin's actually singing in the choir in the beginning of the movie, that it's actually him singing? No, I didn't find it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it? I don't know. I don't know. I will look it up in a minute. That's pretty awesome. Because I thought it, he sounded really <clears throat> great, and it was kind of true to how a kid at that age would sound, so it was real high-pitched and whatever. It so is, his voice. It, yeah, it's like, you know, when someone's an actor, they're also classically trained in terms of... I don't know if Macaulay Culkin singing. is a singer. He was a ballet dancer before he was an actor, so I don't know. Because he's in the George Balanchini's version of The Nutcracker. He's the boy that know. turns into The Nutcracker. Yep, things you learn when you love Macaulay Culkin mm-hmm. as a kid. Facts. <laughs> and also The Nutcracker, so... Okay, what about uh, feelings? What was the feels moment for you guys in this film? How did it make you feel? Did it make you feel Christmassy? Did it just give you like the heartwarming feel? No. Uh, honestly, the first one would have got me closer to feels, but I'm a robot. So, uh, true. He never cries. It takes a lot, but no, this movie, like I said, it had the same skeleton as the first one, just had a new skin. Uh, good, great, but. I don't know. There's only so many times you can abandon a kid. Right. Facts. <laughs> and it's just like, shit, man. And then the family, it seemed like they had even less time on the screen, the family trying to get mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess they figured out what people want to see and how much they have to like divvy well, up to other uh, things. I guess they had, um, in the original shoot of the film or the original cut of the film, they had a bunch of more, a bunch more scenes of the family in Florida, like, you know, working on getting back to Kevin or trying to find Kevin. But when they showed it to test audiences, they were all like, what the fuck is this? We want more Kevin. Yeah. So they just cut all of that down, and it was already two hours after they like cut out all of that. Well, that's so. helpful, because I think well, I mentioned this in the, in the podcast about Home Alone. Um, I feel like the pace of the film is is really tight and so I like that I like that it's fast paced there's not like there's no scene where it's like eh, I couldn't do with that I could do without that I could do without that 
So in the first one, they didn't spend a ton of time on like the family. It was just like, oh, we're here and shrimp cocktail. And then <laughs> her kind of getting back, which was kind of the most important part. Um, and I, I like that they did that again this time. Um, yeah. In terms of my like Christmas, I, when I saw this movie as a child, I had not been to New York. And I have finally been to New York and been to a lot of those places. So it was kind of nice. And it was around winter time, and so a lot of that I'm was so familiar. Um, and it was really cool to see some of that. Um, but I think other than the fact that it was just trees with lights, it's just like, oh, winter in New York. But um, the heartwarmingness of him and the and pigeon lady is like what Christmas is all about, like helping other people who have lost their trust and hope and faith in people because they've been burned. And I think we you know, all have had some time in our life where that's happened to us or, you know, somebody who has and this movie really like hits that home. So for me, I'm not a robot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I teared up a little bit. Um, I see. Kind of stuff. For me, it's, it's the stuff with Mr. Duncan. So, I mean, in the toy story or the, <laughs> the toy store, um, but also like in the hotel room, um, you know, the very end of the movie, I'm like, at first I was just like, Oh wow. Like, Yep, that dad's loaded, or, you know, whatever, like we were saying the first one, like, man, those parents got him a lot of gifts. I mean, there's a lot of kids, but that's still a high percentage. And then I was like, oh, and then it clicked, and I'm like, oh, okay, Mr. Duncan did that for him because he apologized. Like, like just kind of seeing what Mr. Duncan saw in Kevin, like, you know, seeing him in the store, and like, what a generous little boy, and all this stuff, and then, like, you know, he takes the time to write the note, and he's like, he helps him out by catching the bad guy, you know, just like, so just kind of seeing Mr. Duncan, like, give back to the family, like, that was kind of cool for me. Mm-hmm. So this movie uh, gives me all the feels. I absolutely love this movie. And uh, when he gives the turtle doves to the pigeon lady at the end, that like that is really, really moving. And like Alexa said, is the meaning of Christmas. But the moment that gets me in this film is when he's standing, Kevin is standing at Rockefeller Center looking up at the tree and making his Christmas wish. And it's like... You know, I'd really like to see my family again, but if I can't see my family or you can't make that happen, all I want to see is my mom. Like, that's what I want back for Christmas. And that just, like, crushed me because I would love to spend another Christmas with my mom, and I started crying, and it was a lot. And then his mom shows up, and it's, like, all heartbreaking and beautiful and happy tears. Not heartbreaking, I guess, but happy tears. And, yeah, I love that scene. So, it gets me every time. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Home Alone. <laughs> Alright, uh, memories. Anyone have any memories for this film? I mean, Austin doesn't, because this is the first time he's seen it. But <laughs> uh, Nothing really pops out. Like I said, I just remember the skeleton. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched it, but I didn't watch this one as much as I watched the first one. Yeah. yeah, I I just remember seeing that skeleton. That's why I could never <laughs> forget it. That's fair, Alexis. Um, I, I I think I agree with Otis. Like I feel like I've seen the first one a lot more than I saw the second one, even though I really like the second one too. Um, I I do vividly remember like the pigeon lady storyline, and I was mentioning earlier. I if you had asked me to give you the synopsis of Home Alone two before we saw it. I would have had trouble remembering that the robber people were not running around the hotel. Oh, yeah. Even though I could see the, like, renovated, you know, apartment or home, but for some reason I'd forgotten that those were two separate things. (laughs) So, um, I I have really good memories about this one. Like I mentioned in the previous podcast, 
this is one of the movies movie sequels that I give as an example of where the sequel is in my opinion, just as good as the first one. Like, I would watch both of them and feel like just fine. I wouldn't yeah. want to necessarily choose, but... Oh, yeah. Um, overall. I, but then, you know, like I said, like, now, having seen some of those places, I remember, like, oh, going to um, Central Park, and, like, I was thinking, oh, Home Alone 2. Like, this is where the big fountain was, and I was there. Um, and I remember seeing pl- the plaza, and being like, oh, that's really cool, even though you've seen it in other movies, too, or TV shows or whatever, but, Yeah. Yeah, my memories of this film are just watching it every year. I mean, I've seen the other Home Alone, what, two more times than I've seen this film because it came out two years before this film did. But every year after this film came out, I watched them together, like almost back to back. If not, like, if not back to back, then one one, one night and one the next mm-hmm. night. Every single Christmas for the last, what, 30 years almost. Mm-hmm. Like, I absolutely love these films. Um, I don't think I've ever watched them back to back. Oh yeah, and now you have. I know, right? <laughs> See, Austin's the first time for me too. Yeah. Um, I remember after this film came out, just like begging and pleading for a talk boy, and when I got <laughs> one the, uh, the Christmas that this that they released the talk boy, I used it all the time. Like I just carried that thing around, like Kevin carries his around, and I was recording all sorts of dumb shit every conversation my family was having and i was slowing it down and making it like like when he yeah like well like when he um dupes the hotel into letting him stay yeah yeah. when he rents the room i had it all slow like that or i would like speed it up like a chipmunk i was just i would play with that thing all the time and then this movie also like built a lifelong dream of mine to stay at the plaza hotel and it's not I don't know if it's just because I want to order, like, stupid room service and have that big-ass room to myself. Because looking at it now, like, I don't know what the Plaza Hotel looks like in 2019. I'm sure they've renovated it since this film came out. But looking at it now, the 1992 version of the Plaza Hotel kind of looks super shitty. Like, it's not great. Mm -hmm. The decor is not great, and it's pretty tacky, but I still would love to stay there because... This film has been so important to me, I guess, over the years. Like, I just really want to stay there, except it's owned by Donald Trump, partly. So I don't really want to stay there, I guess. I don't know. That's weird. All right. Seven word synopsis. Lay them on me. Like Home Alone 1, but in NY. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we did it again, but it's different. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marv should have seriously died from electricity. <laughs> also from bricks. I, yeah. I read in the, I read in the thing like, okay, so in the trivia for the first film, a doctor like went through the first film and like cataloged every single injury that both of the bandits had and like marked what kind of actual injury it would make and how likely they are to survive said injury and whatever. And he goes through each one and says, oh, you know, this one's just a minor burn, like put a thing on it or whatever. He went through this film as well and said that Marv would have died from the second brick, 100%. Like the first brick might have killed him, 
Like, he for sure would have had brain brain damage from the first one, and it possibly could have killed him, but by the time the second brick hit him in the face, he would have died. (laughs) And then he proceeded to get hit by, like, seven more bricks. (laughs) It was a mess. So, my seven-word synopsis is, who the fuck robs a toy store? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, seriously, like, how fucking low do you have to be to Mm -hmm. rob a toy store? And not just a toy store, like... They weren't just taking toys from a toy store, like people robbing the toy section in a Walmart. They were stealing the fucking donations for the orphanage <laughs> from a toy store. Like, that's so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty bad. Man. Okay, so with that, I think that's everything we've got on Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Does anyone have anything else to say about the movie? If you haven't watched these movies, what are you waiting for? Go do it. Best ones. My, one my, and two. Go my, watch one and two. My favorite Christmas movies, which I know everyone has their their own, but these are, these are my favorite. These are what I think of. Go watch one and two. Do not watch three, four, and five. It's a waste of your time. Facts. Just skip them. But one and two are freaking classics, and you need to watch them, and you need to show them to your kids. And Pray they don't do any remakes. Yeah, pray they don't do any remakes. Disney's kind of talking about making a reboot of this film, of these of this franchise and let's hope that they don't do that because a 2019 version of home alone is just watching kids on your nanny cam so <laughs> what the fuck do we need that film for they might have some of them with tide pods yeah <laughs> tide pods jesus because <laughs> the only way i can get behind a home alone 2020 or whatever is is it, it would have to be you know similar skeleton i think as i was saying but there there'd have to be modernized oh i couldn't handle i couldn't handle a little kid like an eight-year-old kid like fighting bad guys in a movie because it'd seriously just be like two hours of a kid just saying yeet and like dabbing (laughs) (laughs) you're right little kids no Every time that Such something flossing. would fall, yeah, it'd just be yeah. like, yeet, and then he'd Very floss, good. and then it'd be, like, yeah. just a mess. That's a good point. I'm like, got him! And just like, shut up. <laughs> Eight-year-olds are the worst. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> but, yeah. Go see these movies. Make your kids see these movies. Maybe if we get enough people to watch them or to stream them on Disney+, Plus. Disney will get the idea to not make copies because everyone loves the originals. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the opposite of what we should do. I don't know. Write a letter to Disney or tweet at Disney and tell them not to make a remake of this because the first one, the first two are perfect. We don't need any more. Um, To me, you are perfect. Yeah. To me, you are perfect. We're watching that tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so like we said, go watch these films. They're really good skip the last three and yeah follow us on twitter at allentown pod or email us at allentown presents at gmail.com and you can listen to us wherever podcasts are available and make sure you tell your friends make sure everyone's listening to allentown presents um we love you good night bye merry Merry christmas Christmas, you filthy animals. animals and a happy new year